DNVR presents. The pitch is hit again to left field. It's got a chance. It's gone. Minor League Mondays. Your weekly look at some homegrown guys who are trying to make their way up to the big leagues. And here's your host, Patrick Lyons. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Mile High Green Cross. Supporting our partners is supporting us. And at Mile High Green Cross, you can sign up for their loyalty program to receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. Welcome to the Working Week. It's Minor League Monday, and I am your host, Patrick Lyons. Follow us all at DNVR underscore Rockies, myself at Patrick D. Lyons, and at Drew Creaseman as we cover everything that is the Colorado Rockies and then some across the sport of baseball. On today's edition of Minor League Monday, we will discuss and break down the recent discussed plan by Major League Baseball, as reported by Bob Nightingale in USA Today. Take a look at what those leagues might look like, as well as how this could affect the Colorado Rockies. Last week, we touched upon how top 100 lists are created and what the 2080 scale is. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit further, as well as breaking down two retrospective prospects. One, who you'll see on the 2020 roster, guy who is now an all-star. We'll see what the prospect pundits were saying about him six, seven years ago. And we'll also look at one player who didn't quite pan out, didn't meet those same expectations. And for those of you who may have gotten up extra early Sunday morning, maybe you got up early Saturday morning, but you saw that it rained over in Taiwan, and you learned that the Chinese Professional Baseball League had gotten rained out. Well, they did start early Sunday morning, and by the time you're listening to this on Monday, there will have been at least two games played of some importance in professional baseball around the planet Earth. And so we'll take a look at what the CPBL has to offer and why you might actually find yourself rooting for one or more of those teams. As mentioned, Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported on a discussed plan that would allow baseball to operate with two new leagues, no longer the American and National League, based upon historic cities across the United States at one point, as we learned in Ken Burns' baseball documentary, that a lot of the major cities in the Northeast had two teams, one American League, team and one National League team, now it would be completely geographic. And by that, Arizona and Florida. The Grapefruit League in Florida and the Cactus League in Colorado. The teams that train there, that will be their hub. There happens to be 15 in Florida and 15 in Arizona. It hasn't always been that way. Florida has always been the top breeding ground for spring training, but as teams started to look to Arizona as a wonderful warm weather option, and various cities across Arizona started offering up free facilities for these major league teams if they 
got up and dropped everything that they knew in Florida to come towards the West Coast. They could have a free stadium and facility for a specific community in Arizona. Even before that, spring training existed all over the United States. Anything that was south of where a team was located, shoot, that was considered spring training, and you just had pickup games, intra-squad games, might have even played against a local college team, high school teams, just to get your reps in. They might not have been great reps, but you wanted to keep what you had a secret for as long as possible until you got to the regular season. The New York Giants even trained all the way down in South Jersey at one point in Lakewood, New Jersey, home of now the Lakewood Blue Claws, the low-A South Atlantic League affiliate of the Phillies, who also play the Asheville Tourists, one of Colorado's low-A affiliates. Arkansas, Hot Springs, Arkansas, was another one of those locations deemed to be great for training in March and in early April when the season started in about mid-April. And eventually, over time, Florida became that destination. And as I said, it moved west towards Arizona. So the two-league system is, is one of the big things. It's probably the biggest. It also was, of course, discussed that the probability of an alternate site World Series would happen by the time that would go down, most likely in November. Perhaps the United States is a little bit better off and you could have Petco Park, you could have Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles be homes for the playoffs or the World Series. You could even see Minute Maid Park in Houston venture into that as well as the new Globe Life Park in Texas. Anything that's domed or anything in a warm weather city, those are going to be the best options. We'll talk about what is on the table right now for World Series options. But the other big piece of news was, of course, the universal designated hitter. It should, in some ways, speed the game up as we will not have any issues of pitchers being on base when the final out is made of an inning and they got to get their hat and glove or figure out how to run halfway in and someone drops the glove off for them. A lot of various issues that could possibly come up with pitchers having to hit and run the bases. Sure, we all know this is how the game has been played since it was originated in the early to mid-1800s. However, right now the National League, as far as we know it, is the only league that uses a desi- that does not use excuse me, a designated hitter. Every other league in the world uses a designated hitter. Doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong. But the reality is that some pitchers are POs, right? They are pitchers only, and that's it. So it does does change the game a little bit, but but there will, of course, be some benefits. So Bob Nightingale came up with the names of these divisions for the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, and they're essentially based around their location in the respective states of Florida and Arizona. Though it does seem strange to have a team in the quote-unquote north, we're talking about Florida, as well as a team in the northeast when we're talking about Arizona. So one proposal that I have 
that I think Major League Baseball should listen in on is talking with the Native American communities within Arizona and Florida. And for this one-time-only season, abbreviated season, they create names based upon various Native American tribes who, if they want to participate in this, I think that's a good way of honoring them. You could, of course, call each of these six divisions. You could name them after a legendary Hall of Fame player. You could also name them after a Negro League star. Do something to raise awareness of people who have long been silenced, who have long been minorities and have not been given the same opportunities in the history of our country. Obviously, that wouldn't be the case for a lot of the members of the Hall of Fame, but that would be the case for various Native American tribes or Negro League players. So in the Grapefruit League East, now Florida is, Florida's got quite a conundrum because they are spread out. They are very much spread out. In Arizona, for our subscribers, I know you read this already on Friday, our piece breaking down this discussed plan, is that the two farthest, any two facilities you want to pick in Arizona, any two you want to pick, they are only 45 minutes apart from one another. 45-minute drive. That's it. That is all. You don't even need to jump on a team bus. Everyone can just get there, meet up on their own. They're trying to minimize travel. They're trying to reduce any potential spread and threat of COVID-19. And you can do that very easily in Arizona. You cannot do that easily in Florida. You have four teams in the proposed Grapefruit League East that are all along the East Coast on the Atlantic Ocean in Port St. Lucie, Jupiter, and West Palm Beach. As it were, two of the three facilities in Florida that share a complex, they would both be in the East. You have the Mets from Port St. Lucie. In Jupiter, Marlins and Cardinals, they share a facility together. And in West Palm Beach, you have, coincidentally, the Nationals and Astros. That's right. Both teams that train in West Palm Beach slugged it out in the 2019 World Series. Now, those teams are anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour apart from one another. They're, they're, they're close. Those three are close. But for any of those five teams, for them to travel west to get to the teams that are on the Gulf side of Florida, that can be anywhere from three to four hours. I do not know how Major League Baseball plans to handle that situation. Will it be doubleheaders? It's going to be a long day for those guys if they need to drive four hours. They're going to be on a bus, but still, for four hours, they're taking that bus. They're going to play a doubleheader, and then four hours back. I don't, I, I don't think that's possible. But these are some of the challenges that have not really been addressed. There's plenty of time for them to figure it out. But there are some holes in this plan. In the Grapefruit League South, again, the South and the North of the Grapefruit League, they're all along, for the most part, all along the Gulf of Mexico. 
in the south you have Lake Buena Vista, which is actually in the central part of Florida. That doesn't really work out geographically in this equation. I'm not really sure where Bob Nightingale was getting that idea from, but Lake Buena Vista, Sarasota, Port Charlotte, and Fort Myers. Lake Buena Vista is where Atlanta plays. Sarasota is home to the Orioles. The Rays are in Port Charlotte. And the third and final facility that is shared is in Fort Myers. That is shared by the Red Sox and Twins. In the northern part, you have Dunedin, where the Blue Jays play. Clearwater, just south of that, is where the Phillies are located. In Tampa, you have the Yankees. Just south of that is Bradenton, where the Pirates train. And east of all four of those cities is Lakeland, Florida, where the Tigers train. So the teams that are on the western coast of Florida, on the Gulf Coast, those teams, they can get around. There's not a problem. It's the fact that you've got the eastern side of Florida in the equation. That is a challenge. In the Cactus League, there are only 10 spring training facilities as opposed to 12 in Florida. And you've got one stadium that could be in use at Chase Field. Right? We know that that is domed. I know a lot of you listening to this as Rockies fans, you've made that trip down to Phoenix to watch your Rockies take on the Diamondbacks. Florida's got two dome stadiums, has Tropicana Field in Tampa and Marlins Park, of course, in Miami. So those three larger facilities, whether or not fans are going to be allowed in games by that point in October and November is another world away. During the start of the season, of course, they will not be allowed. But those three facilities can house all of the playoffs, if need be. So in the Cactus League, in the Northeast, where the Rockies are located, you've got two facilities in Scottsdale, and you've got two facilities in Mesa at the Talking Stick Resort and Ranch. That's where the D-backs and Rockies train at Salt River Fields in Scottsdale, right there, tucked away by downtown Scottsdale, is where the Giants are located. And in Mesa, the Cubs and Athletics each have their own facility. Athletics, of course, play in Hohokam Stadium, and that would be a very fitting name for that division as that is the prominent Native American tribe that settled in that area. In the Northwest, you have a single facility in Surprise that supports the Royals and Rangers. In Peoria, same situation. Padres and Mariners train there. And in Maryvale, you have the Milwaukee Brewers. And finally, out west, in Glendale, you have a facility shared by the Dodgers and White Sox in Goodyear. The facility is shared conveniently by uh, Ohio's, excuse me, Ohio's two teams, the Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland. And finally, in Tempe, which is located a lot closer to the Northeast, it's just south of of Mesa, Scottsdale, essentially. But Tempe has been lumped in with the Western Group. That will be that is occupied. Tempo Diablo Stadium is occupied by the Los Angeles Angels. And again, 
even though they are the outlier in that bunch, they're going to have a half an hour drive to get to Glendale or Goodyear. It's not a problem. It's not a problem in the least bit. What may be a problem is you not using code DNVR to save $5 off your meal at the farmhouse, home of Breckenridge Brewery down in Littleton. If you order your meal from the farmhouse, you got to use code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. They'll bring it right out to your car so you can get home and chow down on it. Or let's face it, if you're like me, you might even just stay in the parking lot and eat your food right there. (laughs) The drive home might not be so great. They do delivery. If you are located in their general area, check out their site at the farmhouse to find out if you are eligible for delivery. You can give them a call at 303-803-1380. They do it all from 12 to 8 p.m. You can get the 15-can sampler there. You can get it through Drizzly. You can use their Breck Beer Locator. You've got a lot of options. It's been a it's been a long time since we've lived in a normal world. But thankfully, Breck Brewery and the farmhouse, they're doing everything they can to try to make life seem a little bit normal, take care of a little of the luxuries that we used to experience. We got them back now, thankfully. Again, 303-803-1380. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Mile High Green Cross once again. They're conveniently located on 9th and Broadway. Park in the back, and guess what? You don't have to touch any of that dirty and dingy cash because they do use Hyper. That is fantastic. They're going to get you in and out in nine minutes. You've got nothing to worry about. Only thing you got to worry about is signing up for their loyalty program because if you don't do that, you're going to pay full price. But sign up for the loyalty program, and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month at Mile High Green Cross. Now, the CPBL is the Chinese Professional Baseball League, and no, it is not in China. <laughs> now, China, as we know it, is, is more properly known as the People's Republic of China, but if we're talking about simply the Republic of China, we're talking about Taiwan, or as they are known in the Olympics and other various worldwide events, sporting events, Chinese Taipei. That's what we're talking about when we say the Chinese Professional Baseball League. Taiwan, of course, is, is an island state. It's got about nearly 30 million people. They've had a handful of Major League Ball players come to represent their wonderful nation. Chin Ming Wong's probably been the most notable one with the Yankees about a decade ago. Wei Yin Chen pitched very well with Baltimore and then signed a massive deal with Miami and then fell off the face of the earth. Hong Chi Kuo, some of you will remember him from a few years with the Dodgers. And you may remember the first and only Taiwanese player for the Rockies. Not every team has had a player from Taiwan, but the Rockies do. Chin Hui Sao. He actually recorded the first hit for a Taiwanese player, first and only hit, of course, for the Rockies franchise. But he got a hit back on August 13th, 2003, which believe it or not, was the only hit given up by Cubs starter Steve Traxel. So when you go down the list of of teams that have had a no-hitter thrown against them, thankfully, from Chin Hui Sao, the Rockies 
are, well, they're not on that list for August 13th, 2003. <laughs> That's about it. They're on there a few other times. And in fact, this past year was the first time a player from Taiwan had been drafted in the MLB first year player draft, the Rule 4 draft. And that's mainly because most of the players who come to America are, are international free agents, just like any player that would come from the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or, of course, Japan, South Korea. His name was Lyle Lin. He went to Arizona State University, drafted in the 19th round by the Arizona Diamondbacks, fittingly enough. Now, the CPBL was formed in 1989, so it's their 30th anniversary now, right? Their first season was in 1990. Here we are in the year 2020. They have a 120-game season, and they actually had, had moved it up to about mid-March due to the Tokyo Olympics. And, of course, they postponed it because of the pandemic we have going on on our planet. And Saturday was supposed to be their first game. It did get rained out, made us wait yet another day. But Sunday morning, they got a game in, or to them, Sunday evening. And there's some, not too many crazy rules per se, but there are some decent rules to understand. Now, those of you that are are kind of asking yourself, do I really need to follow the CPBL? No, you don't have to. You absolutely don't. But if you are a baseball fanatic like myself, you're going to want to watch some live baseball. That matters to the players. That's how you know if a game matters, if, if it's important to the players. That's worth watching. Even if you don't know anyone involved, you're going to see guys playing their butt off. Not just for themselves or their teammates, but really for the entertainment of the entire world, which these guys may be well aware of. The CPBL is probably, if we think of, if we think of the KBO, Korean Baseball Organization in South Korea, and the MPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan, as somewhat like AAA, you could say KBO in South Korea is AAA, and the Japanese league, sort of like a quadruple A, right? If you're if you're successful there, you're gonna you're gonna do well in America. Maybe as similar to like a quadruple A player, or you're going to really break through and be a star. And we've seen that happen for a few Japanese players, of course, or players that have been successful in Japan when they come to America, like Sung Wan Oh, who is South Korean. However, when he made the jump from the KBO to the NPB, he was incredibly successful. And he did it again when he played with the Cardinals. And for his two-month spell with Colorado before getting injured. But each team in the CPBL is allowed to carry a 26-man active roster, roster, excuse me, including foreign players. Teams can register up to about three foreign players on their active roster. But get this, they can only play two simultaneously on the field. Think about that. You really got to strategize. You've really got to strategize. And that's one of the reasons why, it's probably obvious to some of you out there, you're not going to see two American or Canadian, however you want to look at it, two foreign-born players that are position players on a single team. Because those two guys are in the game, you, you, you can't 
you're either going to have a foreign player on your bench or a foreign player in your bullpen that you can't bring into the game. So most of the foreign-born players in the CPBL are pitchers. And you're going to recognize some of those names when we get in there. Now, one of the top sites you could use to check out is the cpblstats.com. And they said, quote, For those of you who hate bunting, then you are coming to the right place. That's important to some of you out there. I know that. It says, These days, the CPBL players rarely laid down a bunt. Instead of doing that, they prefer swinging for the fences or putting the ball in play and simply hoping for the best. And those four clubs that are hoping for the best, that's right, there's only four teams in the CPBL. Now, all of these teams, exactly like South Korea and Japan, are named after companies, corporations, right? They have a team nickname, like the Rockies, but they wouldn't be Colorado Rockies. They would be the Coors Light Rockies or the Coors Rockies. Or dare I say the Breckenridge Brewery Rockies. So you've got the Rakuten Monkeys, and you might, if you follow the NPB, you of course are familiar with the name Rakuten, as that's the name of the Golden Eagles team that's over in Japan. Rakuten is an online retailer. I, I've even seen them in the marketplace here in America. So you can order stuff from them online from the comfort of your own bedroom. They are the reigning champs. They are returning the most players. So if you're looking to root for a team and you're somewhat of a front runner, you can you can feign ignorance if you'd like. That's fine. But they are going to be a team that you're probably going to be most happy with if you want to wake up every morning and find out that the game that just finished up about a half an hour ago was won. Then you want to root for the Rakuten Monkeys. Second on the list in the power rankings are the China Trust Brothers. China Trust is a hotel conglomerate, if you will. And the brothers are the oldest team. They, they started back up in 1990. And they feature two interesting players. One is a gentleman by the name of Chi Sheng Lin, who is a 38-year-old power hitter. He's in his 17th season in the CPBL. And he's actually chasing the all-time home run record. He's only about six homers off. And he's only 17 homers off from 300 in his career. So that is a story worth watching throughout the season for the China Trust Brothers. And also a name that some of our Western-thinking fans are familiar with is former Seattle Mariners pitcher, Cuban-born righty Ariel Miranda, signed for a deal around $600,000 U.S. It does not include performance bonuses, so that will give you an idea of how much money those players are making. Now, $600,000 is roughly the league minimum in Major League Baseball. So why would a player... Go over there if they're only going to make the league minimum. Well, because it's guaranteed they're going to make $600,000. If you stay in America and you get sent back to AAA or you get cut or you're sitting around as a free agent for a week before someone signs you, you are not making that league minimum. So maybe that's an indicator that some of these players don't aren't really betting on themselves. Maybe. It also could be an indicator that, look, they're, they're simply 
trying to do what's best and what's right for their family financially. Can't can't fault them for that. Third on my power rankings are the Fubon Guardians. Fubon is a banking company. Not too much to say about them other than the fact that they may have the best logo. It's a it's a sweet looking elephant. It's fantastic. It's a it's a good but different take on the Oakland Athletics white elephant. Then the fourth and final team we have is the only team I would venture to say with two hyphens in their name. They've got two hyphens. It's the Uni President 7-Eleven Lions. Yes, so basically two companies in one because Uni President in and of itself is a food corporation. They own some 7-Elevens over there. That's one of their, their top brands. And so you've got the Uni President 7-Eleven Lions. And they feature an interesting player, Chi Che Su, who is a 25-year-old outfielder who has a good combination of power and speed. He's, he's somewhat of the David Dahl, Trevor Story variety of, of player. He had 27 home runs and stole 21 bases last year, so he's one to watch for them. Now, next year, there has been some talk about an Australian League team participating. That would be very interesting. That would help expand the CPBL's profile. And then in 2021, the Weichuan Dragons will enter the league. So in two years' time, this league will expand to six teams. For right now, the Dragons are actually operating as a minor league team as they build forth their talent. They've got a, a talented 19-year-old on their team. That's also worth to watch, but I uh, don't believe any of those games will be available on television anywhere. One thing to know about the CPBL is that they've actually had some scandals by ways of fixing games. That's not good in any league, in any form. And they've they've done the best that they they've can to squash those things, but there's been far too many in the recent history. So some of the players that you would recognize from over in America are the likes of Ryan Carpenter, who, yes, was a teammate with a lot of these Colorado Rockies because he played New Britain down in, in AA and, and he was with Albuquerque for two years, 2015 to 17. He's on Rakuten. So now there you go. You can root for the best team over in Taiwan and not feel bad about it because, hey, you're just rooting for Ryan Carpenter. You've got Brian Woodall, who was a Diamondbacks minor leaguer for several years. He's with Fubon. Esmil Rogers, yes, the Esmil Rogers, back on the Rockies from 2009 to 12. He's in China Trust, playing with the brothers. You can root for him. In fact, he got the opening day start for them on Sunday morning. And Josh Renicky, who is also with Colorado, had only had a couple cups of coffee from 2011 to 2012. So you've got two players from the 2011-12 team that are currently playing right now in Taiwan. A lot of different sites you can use. There should, these games should be available online. Make sure you're following at DNVR underscore Rockies and myself at Patrick D. Lyons. 
so we can get you those links if you do want to watch those games and be one of the few fans. Not a few. There's going to be a lot of fans watching. No fans in the building. Not except for robotic ones. You may have seen that story. Because, of course, these stands will be empty of fans. They decided, well, hey, let's let's have their be some flavor. Let's not make it look like no one's in the building. So let's set up some mannequins. Let's set up some robots. Very strange, but it's something. I, I actually fancy Major League Baseball having to get a little innovative with the Grapefruit League and Cactus League scenario with no fans. I think there's a creative way where you could have an interactive system in place where fans on Twitter or social media can go and vote for different sound effects maybe to, to come out. Or if you or if Nolan, you know, ropes a double late in the game in the eighth inning at Salt River Fields to put Colorado ahead, do you want there to be the sound coming through the PA system of, of Nolan, Nolan? Or do you want it to be MVP, MVP? Well, you go online and you vote. There's going to be some creative options. There needs to be some creative options for Major League Baseball in order to get through this. There's no two ways about that. Now, my men, let me talk to you real quick about something. All right, we all know it can get steamy down under, whether that's naturally occurring or activity-induced. Don't be afraid to go the distance. Do not be afraid to go the distance because Manscaped has got you covered with their crop preserver. This magic in the bottle is a liquid powder that gives the sack a velvety smooth finish while absorbing sweat but lightly moisturizes so your skin doesn't flake. All thanks to Manscaped. That's right. You can use the code DNVR20 to receive yet another discount, 20% off, and free shipping. They've got a lot of different packages for yours that you're going to love and enjoy. It's got nothing but rave reviews from everyone that I've spoken to, I'll leave it there. I will say no more about that other than you will simply love Manscaped. And you're also going to love Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits because supporting our partners is supporting us. And yes, you should do it in that order, Manscaped, then Davidson's, because if you do it in the reverse, I don't I, I don't know if their nick-free technology over at Manscaped is going to be able to help you if you're getting Breck's Delicious 15-can sampler delivered to your door by Davidson's. I, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to end up working out for you. But if you download Davidson's app today, you can get some incredible deals. They've got their own loyalty program as well. But check them out. They are a vital resource to get through this time. Now, our last and final segment today, we're going to take a look at two prospects that the prognosticators had a couple things to say about, some interesting. All of them are interesting. Some of them turned out to be true, others not so much. Last April, around the time of the NFL draft, we're getting there too, getting there pretty soon, and we're going to have some great coverage at DNVR Sports, the DNVR Broncos guys are really gearing up for some special stuff for the draft. And last year I published a report on some of the best 
two sports stars that the Rockies have ever had in their system. Of course, Russell Westbrook bringing the top guy. Actually even played some ball in Asheville. Many years ago, they also signed Michael Vick. Did not sign him, though. But one guy they were able to draft and sign that has quite the football pedigree was a gentleman by the name of Kyle Parker. Some of you were able to see his brief stint with the Rockies. In fact, the stint was so brief, he's still technically considered a a rookie. Didn't get those 140 plate appearances in. He got stopped at 138. But about seven years ago, here was the verdict on Kyle Parker. Former Clemson quarterback, Parker is the only player in NCAA Division I history to throw 20 touchdown passes and hit 20 homers in the same school year. Though wrist and thumb injuries limited him to 102 games, In 2012, he bashed 23 home runs and topped the high-class A California League with a 415 on-base percentage. Unfortunately, that would be his standout season. Wouldn't really do much beyond that. In Tulsa, though, you know, Tulsa, he did have a good year. Kind of put up similar numbers. He did see a dip in his batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging, which is common when you're going from the Cal League to the Texas League, but his strikeout numbers went up. That was kind of an indicator that maybe things were not all well. He performed well the Arizona Fall League there and just didn't really come to fruition after that point. Became a really a, a quadruple-A player of sorts and just never really transitioned to a major leaguer. In 2016, he repeated double A with Cincinnati at that point. And at, after about his age 26 season, that's pretty much all she wrote for Kyle Parker. Now, the verdict on him was that his strike zone awareness was improving. And he's able to wait before deciding to swing because of his quick wrists and quick approach. He's a subpar defender, though. But the Rockies think he'll improve with time and practice. And I think that's one of those areas that you really can't count on. Or you really can't account for, I should say, when looking at statistics. Because we still, even in the major leagues, we still don't even have the best defensive metrics. They've come a long way. In fact, this offseason... I know baseball savant did some really great work with their new defensive metric numbers as far as run saves, run saved. It's really good, but we've got a long way to go for the minors. So you look and you say that, okay, he's he does have potential with the bat. He's making the growth that he needs to make, but there's no way to really count on everything. The full picture. Where's the guy's head at? Where's his heart at? And unfortunately, it, it didn't didn't pan out for Kyle Parker. And, and because of that, the Rockies had nothing to show for their 26th overall pick in the 2010 draft. But let's finish on a high point. Let's talk about a young kid by the name of 
David Dahl. He was actually drafted by the Pirates. I should say he he was nearly drafted by the Pirates with the eighth overall pick in the 2012 draft. And they couldn't quite figure out how to get it to work, and the Pirates actually pivoted, and they opted for Mark Appel, who didn't sign, and then when he later was drafted by the Astros, he didn't pan out, was traded to the Phillies, and has still yet to even make a single appearance in Major League Baseball. But the Rockies did take Dahl two picks later, number 10 overall. Actually, that made him the first high school outfielder they had ever taken with their first pick. And it actually had been, let's see, eight years, I think. Right? Chris Nelson? I think he was the last high school player that they had taken in the first round, 2004. But Dahl was fantastic early on in the Pioneer League with Grand Junction, one of their first seasons out there after moving from Casper, Wyoming, as the Casper Ghosts. That's one of those areas I'm, I'm going to have to do a dive into, do an oral history of the Casper Ghosts. So I, I'm mildly fascinated by what went on up there at Mike Lansing Field in such a small place like Casper, Wyoming. I'm sure there's there's there are there are fantastic stories. Nolan played there in 2009. Trevor Story played there in 2011. So it's it's got a fond place in some folks' hearts. So I, I definitely need to learn a bit more about that. But here's the scouting report. It says Dahl is a pure hitter with exceptional hand-eye coordination and the rare ability for a young player to make adjustments from at bat to at bat and even pitch to pitch. Hits left-handers well, and his above-average speed will lead him to leg hits that will further boost his average. That pretty much nails it. I think think that covers David Dahl rather well. Now, that's not to say he was a finished product back in 2013, by no means. But it does show that he put in a lot of work. Because he wasn't just a, a high-grade prospect. Now, by 2014, after a year at Asheville, he was considered a 60-grade prospect, but on the extreme side. Okay, Some of that had to do with, a at this point, an early injury history. Again, a lot of this has not been his fault. Just pure dumb luck. But by 2014, Scout said that he had an extra base power that should yield 15 to 20 homers annually in the big leagues, and his above-average speed will yield leg hits, further raising his average. He has five-tool ability and profiles as a number three hitter, has a plus arm, and covers a lot of ground in center field where he has plus potential. Came through. That's a pretty accurate description of David Dahl. And he did it. He came through. And I think he still has a lot more growth. He still has a lot more potential to do bigger and better things. He was an all-star last year, of course, but he did not have a full season. He unfortunately did not. We'll all remember him getting carted off the field and kind of burying his head in Nolan Arenado's chest. 
It's a very sad moment at Coors. And he might not really get a full season this year either. But that will not be his fault. Most of this has not been his fault. All of it has not been his fault. Bad luck. Very bad luck. And if you're like me, who, someone who's trying to bake and prepare food at, at home, I'm, I'm not having any luck at all. But you will have good luck if you give Bojo's a call. Yes. Their true Colorado mountain pie is making my mouth water right now. And it doesn't really matter what time of day you're listening to this. You are going to be hungry for some Bojo's. You're going to wish you could sit in the dining room, go to that amazing salad bar. Ugh. But you know what? We can't. But what you can do is get a piece of that. Get a piece of that memory. Again, you might, you might have it in the parking lot. You might be sitting in the parking lot eating your your mountain pie. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No shame. No judgment. It's a judgment-free parking lot at Bojo's. No doubt about it. But check this out. If you, if you mention it when you give them a call, they will give you 30% off. Yes, 30% off takeout when you ask for it. You got to tag them. Tag us at DNVR and get some delicious takeout delivery. Gluten-free, cheeseless pizza, plant-based options, you name it. They've got it at Bojo's. I think they've got to have the honey packets too because you can't not have the honey with the leftover crust. It's fantastic. And that's that's coming from a guy who knows pizza really well. That's, that's one area that I'm kind of uh, somewhat of a pizza snob. And I'm giving Bojo's the big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Well, finally, our sports column question of the day is pretty simple. Will you be watching the Chinese Professional Baseball League? Do you think you'll even tune into some of the highlights? Do you plan on following some of the threads? Are you going to look at Baseball Brit? He seems to know baseball really well over there in the Far East. But does that get you somewhat excited for baseball? to get you back into it, to get you thinking about the game in different ways that you hadn't thought about it before. And watching it being played by people in a different country, different colored uniforms and names that you're not familiar with, that's going to allow you to do that, allow you to do some mental gymnastics. It's going to be a good thing. It's undoubtedly going to be a good thing. But like all good things, this episode must come to an end. I hope you've had a good time. At Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. At DNVR underscore Rockies. At Drew Creaseman. Please follow all three of us if you are not already. We've got some amazing events going on with our watches this week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going back to relive the 2018 season. We've got nothing but winners. Nothing but walk-off games. Big performances. It's fantastic. Drew's doing some big things over at DNVR Gaming. Running some serious tournaments. Throwing no-hitters on MLB The Show with Herman Marquez against Atlanta. Giving us flashbacks to Ubaldo Jimenez in 2010. If you collect Topps Bunt, I'm giving away Rockies cards. I don't care. I got no. There's no shame in my game. I'm giving them away. I got a DJ LeMahieu autograph card that's limited to about a thousand. 
Arenado cards, Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman inserts. Hit me up. I'll send them to you for free. Don't care. Trying to give it back to our baseball fans, giving it back to our subscribers. Thank you for listening. Hey, what do you say we do this next week?